heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. We're not exactly studying Revelation. We're studying how to study Revelation. And the title of the lesson that we'll begin today comes from Jesus' words, Heaven and earth shall pass away. All the things that seem absolutely permanent to us will collapse, be destroyed, disappear. That's hard to imagine. But the Apostle John writes of a time when God has had enough. Here's Jim. Would you please take your Bibles and open them with me to the book of the Revelation, chapter 10. There are tonight and two more messages in this series of messages. I'm trying to help you break down in your mind the package of prophecies that are called the book of the Revelation, trying to help you see the central theme, the basic major points, so that you are comfortable in the book of the Revelation, so that when people come to you with a question, what does your pastor think such and such a passage in Revelation means, you don't have to bring them to the pastor. You can look them in the eye and say, well, that's easy. Here's what that means. And then they look at you and say, you mean you read the book of the Revelation? Look at them and say, God's promised a special blessing. Special blessing to anyone who will read and keep the book of the Revelation. And if they look at you and say, that's stupid, I don't have time for that, then say, he's also promised a curse. <laughs> a curse on anyone who seeks to change or alter, and you could add into that, ignore this prophecy. That's what God thinks about this book. And I want you to think the same thing. Revelation chapter 10, please. We're starting with the main point tonight, and then we're going to illustrate it, and then we're going to emphasize it, okay? Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words will never pass away. It's that first phrase that we're going to look at tonight. Heaven and earth will pass away. Before we're finished our time together in the book of Revelation tonight, I will have pointed out to you what God says about the absolutely temporary nature of this building, those pews, your bank account, your car, your physical life. Temporary. Transient. It's all going to be replaced. Before it's replaced, it's going to be purged. Revelation chapter 10, John is standing in the presence of a mighty angel that comes down from God out of heaven with a little scroll opened up in his hand, which probably represents the title deed, the legal title deed to the ownership of the heavens and the earth. That's probably what that represents. This mighty angel puts one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, and he raises his hand and he swears... Well, look what he says. Verse 5, Revelation 10. The angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore an oath by the one who lives 
forever and ever. Ponder that phrase. There is somebody in our universe who's never had a beginning and will never have an end. There's somebody in our universe who's conscious, he's personable, he's intelligent, he's never learned anything, he's never forgotten anything, he's never met a problem for which he didn't have a gracious, perfect solution. Do you realize that tonight? We love to sing, our God reigns. I think we ought to start with, our God lives. He identifies himself several times in the pages of the book of the Revelation. As he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's talking there about his relationship with the world in which we live and the universe that surrounds us. But note what the angel emphasizes. This is the one he swears by him who lives forever and ever. Point one. We have an eternal God who precedes everything and will outlive everything. Point two. This God who is forever and ever, created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it. There was a time when there was no heaven as there is now. And everything that you know to be true about heaven exists because that's the way God made it. There was a time when there was no earth, no sun, moon, stars, nothing. And everything that is, is because he created it. He made it. There was a time when there was no sea, no aminals in the sea. No octopus, no shrimp, no salmon, no whales, no sharks. They are because he is and because he created it. I want you to get that tonight. The person we're going to read about tonight is one who transcends everything and everything that we know to exist, and everything within those realms of heaven, earth, and sea, everything in them, are because he made them. Hold your finger for just a minute and turn back to chapter 4. We, we should have caught it back here in chapter 4 when John is first taken to heaven. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Here we're reading about the 24 elders. They, in all likelihood, represent the church in heaven, crowned, 
sitting upon thrones, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Uh, they're a picture of what you are going to be doing in heaven. Now look what they say. They cast their crowns. Let's read in verse, uh, well, let's read verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, does that sound familiar? That's his great self-identification. The 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever. You get it? They cast their crowns before the throne and say, O Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And because of your will, they exist and were created. Some of our translations probably have the phrase, they exist to do your pleasure. That is, they were created intentionally by God for an express purpose. That through them, God would be glorified, God would be honored, God would be known, he would be articulated, he would be able to make himself known to creatures that he was going to create in his image after his likeness. He would be able to communicate to them things about him that otherwise would never be known or never could be known. And the only reason ultimately he did it, or the only reason they exist, is to do his pleasure. So creation wasn't abstract, incidental, off the cuff. Creation was very purposeful. It was intended as a pathway through which the eternal one who lives forever and ever would make himself known, would reveal himself in those areas which could be grasped by angelic hosts and by mortals made in the creator's image after his likeness. Got that? You want to look at one more passage with me, please? I'm trying to help all of us tonight understand that God created everything that exists outside himself. Everything. It's his. He didn't consult with an architect. He didn't get a committee of angels. He did it. They only exist because he wills that they exist, and he wills that they exist because from them and through them he takes pleasure. Look with me, please, at chapter 14 and verse 7. Chapter 14 and verse 7. Read in chapter 14, verse 7. An angel flies through midheaven. This is verse 6. An angel flies in midheaven. That's where the birds fly and where the satellites buzz. That's midheaven. 
It's that sphere between the solidness of earth and the celestial realm of the third heaven where God himself sits upon his throne. That's mid-heaven. John sees another angel flying in mid-heaven. He has the eternal gospel, the good news to announce to the inhabitants of the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He spoke with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Let me say it as simply as I can. You exist only because God wills that you exist. And you exist as a human because God made you directly in your mother's womb. God is the only one you owe any thanks to. You only exist because he wills that you exist and the one supreme purpose for him creating you is to enjoy you and to draw you to himself for pleasure. Got that? Now, same thing's true with a spotted owl. Every part of this world was handcrafted by God, pre-imagined, prefabricated in his thought and his mind, and came into being in an instant, a nanosecond of time, each in its proper order, as carefully described in the first chapter of your Bible. Apart from God, you would not exist. Apart from God, you cannot exist. There is no one in all the universe who can do that but God. I'm telling you that because in the next 20 minutes, we're going to watch God destroy his creation. And when we're finished, I don't want you sitting there thinking, oh, what a nasty God. How can that possibly be a God of love? How could you possibly worship a God like that? But if I stood on Ohio State campus or on the campus of any university, read Genesis chapter 1, and then read two chapters of Revelation, they'd boo me off the platform. But I'm telling you up front, God has a right to destroy what he created. God has a right to hold accountable what only exists because it's his creation. And when his creation is being destroyed by alien enemies, he has a right. And he has, a, he has an eternal 
responsibility to clean house. Are you ready? There are 21 steps to the book of the Revelation which give us the chronology of the 21 judgments of God during a seven-year period. Remember, all of this must take place within seven earth years, less than our calendar, for these are lunar years, 30 days a month. So within a period of seven years, each month 30 days long, all that we're going to talk about now is going to happen. Turn to chapter 6 and fasten your safety belt. We read in chapter 6 that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the creator of all things, takes the scroll from the hand of the one sitting on the throne. The scroll is a title deed. It's a, it's a legal document which declares the proper legal ownership of the earth, its environs, its people, and the demonic spirit forces who impact it. That's what it is. And we read, beginning in verse 1, that Jesus Christ, the Lamb, snaps the first seal, and a ruler rides out into the human stream, destined to rule the world. He's not the true Messiah. He is the false Messiah. But he begins his career only because Jesus directs it. Apart from that direction, he could not do that. He snaps the second seal, and we read that another living creature moves out, a red horse. He's called War. He has, we read, he has a large sword given to him, and he will take peace from the earth. We have a third seal broken in verse 5. Another living creature is released at the command of the living creature in heaven, who says, come. And that seal represents famine, global famine. Verse 7, he snaps a fourth of the seven seals, and a voice comes from a living creature, says, come. Verse 8, I looked and there was a pale green horse. The horseman on it was named Death, and Hades was following after him. Death claims the body. Hades Hell claims the soul. That's the dark duo. They are released to go out into the world. We read that authority is given unto them over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, by wild animals of the earth. Mark it down in the margin. One fourth. So when Jesus snaps the first seal, if there are 8 billion people living in the world, 2 billion of them die in a matter of weeks. Two, one quarter, 2 billion die. 
and I can say it reverently, that's just the warm-up. The fifth seal is broken, and we meet a group of people in heaven who die, who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It probably involves also the Old Testament saints, like Abraham, David, Moses, those that are not part of the body of Christ, the church. They too perhaps are involved in this because their spirits are in heaven. And they say, Lord, how long are you going to continue to put up with the mess on earth? How long are you going to permit people who caused our death to continue to rule and reign? And God says a strange thing to them. God says, give them ropes. So a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers who were going to be killed, just as they had been, would be completed. So there's still people going to be martyred on the earth during the rest of this seven-year period. And then he opens the sixth seal, and there's this violent earthquake, and you can read about all that happens a traumatic and dramatic statement from heaven. People on the earth get the significance. They know where it comes from. You read in verse 15, the kings of the earth, the nobles, the mighty, the military commanders, the rich, the powerful, every slave, every person hid in the caves and among the rocks, the mountains. They cried to the mountains, to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the ones sitting on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Strong word and appropriate here. People living on the earth sense their estrangement from God. They see the unleashing of his marvelous power, his incredible powers. They sense that a time of judgment has come. And they are scared beyond their wits. The great day of, my text says, their wrath, that is the Father and the Son, the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? We know of people who blame God for not dealing with injustice now, immediately. When he does start holding men and women accountable, they'll denounce him for that too. More about the seven seals and the seven trumpets next time. Pastor Jim's message is called, Heaven and Earth Shall Pass Away. Remember that title when you request a CD copy of the message. It's yours for a gift of $7 or more. Our series on how to read Revelation carries the title, With John on the Isle of Patmos. It's available on nine CDs, and you can have the whole album for an offering of $34 or more. New technologies have brought us more ways to share the light and love of God, and let's master all of them. But there will always be something special about the human voice engaged in what the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching. If you can help us in that mission by praying or giving, we'll be so glad to have you on the team. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or you can call one 800 984 2313. That's 800 984 2313. 
And please visit our website, rightstartradio.org. When you do, you'll have hundreds of hours of audio at your command. You can play radio shows there. We'll send new shows to you automatically if you'll subscribe to the Right Start podcast on iTunes. And you can make a secure online donation at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. The universe is not running itself right now, and that will become clear when the one who is running it stops. Have a safe and relaxing weekend, and please join us again on Monday for the next Right Start. Thank you.